From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we have both of us this week. Brian, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. It's good, good to have you back. It's good to we've done a couple here uh, in the last couple of weeks, so it's it's kind of good to get back into that rhythm. Yep, absolutely. And and the one big thing to to kind of chat about real quickly before we get into our guest for the week is um, you had mentioned it on, on uh, another show, but we don't have links in the show notes just yet. Um, maybe we will between when we record this and and when we publish it. But but it's Krispy Kreme challenge time of the year. Uh, so, uh, look out for more information on that real soon. Uh, the registration for the race has opened up and if you're, uh, been listening to the show for a number of years, you know what that's about, but just in case you're, you're new this year as well, it's a, a run for charity that Brian and I do every, every year here in Raleigh, North Carolina, they, the proceeds go to the North Carolina children's home. Uh, but it's a interesting race. It is Krispy Kreme challenge. So that means run two and a half miles, eat a dozen donuts run two and a half miles back, try and keep them down. So it's an interesting concept. Um, we we, we kind of take one for the team for charity every year. And, and so look for more information on on how um, the community, if, if you would like to uh, help out, um, look for links on that real soon. Yeah. And uh, we, we have always been really, really blessed with the community. The community is uh, raised, I think now we've, we've been doing this about five years now. I think the community's raised over 20 plus or $25,000 for, for the North Carolina Children's Hospital. So, uh, it's, you know, it's a huge honor for us to kind of go represent the community. And it does so many good things for, for families who unfortunately have, uh, kids who, who have come across, you know, diseases and sicknesses, which are, uh, pretty debilitating to the family. So it's, it's an awesome opportunity. Hey, listen, man, we, um, we have a chance today, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, where should we take the show and, and how many topics should we get into since cloud is now kind of mainstream. Um, we have a chance today to, to dig into a topic that we've been wanting to deal with uh, a lot, but it's, it's just so big that it's, it's really kind of well beyond our show. So we get to talk today about machine learning and, uh, and artificial intelligence, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So our guest this week is Sam Charrington, host of This Week in Machine Learning and AI podcast. How are you doing, Sam? I am doing great. How are you Good. guys doing? Yeah, doing fantastic. But yeah, I completely agree. Um, it is it is awesome to one of the our core tenets of this show is we'll be more than happy to raise our hand when we don't know exactly what we're talking about. And, and we try to bring on people much smarter than us. So so thanks for coming on, Sam. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the opportunity. I've you know listened to the show for a while and I appreciate what you guys do and especially uh, what you guys do with the Krispy Kreme run. That is awesome. Yeah. So, so Sam, you know, we've, we've sort of, uh, crossed paths with you for, for years and years now, kind of around the, the cloud circuit and, and events and so forth. You've been the last couple of years, you've been really focused around, uh, ML and AI, and, and you've got this incredibly successful podcast. It's sort of top, top 10, sometimes top 20, sometimes in, in iTunes, give us a little bit of, of your background, what you've been doing the last couple of years, you know, why you got fascinated with, uh, with AI and ML and, and tell us a little about the podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I was kind of early on in, in cloud and ran product for a company that was kind of at the nexus of cloud and big data. 
Um, and when I left that company, I started up uh, Cloud Pulse Strategies, which is um, my industry research firm. I'm an industry analyst. Uh, but one of the very first areas that I focused on was uh, machine learning and AI. And in the cloud space, I was always really excited about platform as a service. Um, and it became really clear to me as uh, enterprises had to deal with so much data uh, that they would need a more intelligent platform, you know, thus incorporating you know, some of the ideas from AI and ML in order to help them build the types of applications that they would need to build to really take advantage of it. Um, that led to, you know, it's something that I fo- followed in that capacity for years, but uh, as the MLNAI space heated up, I started the podcast around a year and a half ago just as a way to force myself to keep up. There's just so much happening all the time. Um, and, you know, it's just one of these crazy things that you do to because you really don't know. Um, you really don't know how hard it's going to be uh, to be quiet. Well, you guys know since you do a podcast, but um, I had no idea. But I just jumped in, started the podcast, and uh, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, and and I would would say it's you know jokingly say what's it like with the view from the the top up there? Um, you know, having a podcast that has become so popular and has shot up in the rankings. And and by the way, everyone go subscribe and listen if you are even vaguely interested in this this topic. It's it's great. Um, so let's let's kind of flip and, and let's start with the basics. So um, AI and, and machine learning always <clears throat> kind of get talked about um, as some kind of think of it as like a spectrum. Um, you know, the things that we live with very basically, um, you know, Google doing an auto search versus, you know, Skynet coming and, right. and Terminator stuff. And, you know, we, we live uh, on this kind of maturity curve of AI and ML. And tell us a little bit about that and how you view all of it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I tend to think that for all intents and purposes nowadays, they're interchangeable. But Um, you know, here's the way I kind of parse that out. Artificial intelligence is, you know, really about allowing or making computers do things that feel human-like. And there's this joke that it's a little bit of a kind of a moving goal line, right? So, you know, we make the computer does something that is amazing and uh, it's AI until we get used to it. And then it's just, you know, what the computer does. Uh, and so things like, you know, predictive text keyboards, right? When that first came out, it's like, wow, this thing knows what I'm going to say. It knows what I'm going to type before I type it. And now it's just something we expect. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of AI. And there are lots of ways to do AI. It's possible to make a computer do things that feel human-like just by building a whole bunch of rules into, you know, some rule system. And for a long time, that's the way folks did this kind of stuff. Um, What is more interesting, though, is when you incorporate machine learning into that. And that is really uh, when you use data to teach the computer how to come up with those rules itself. Um, And so I say the terms are more or less interchangeable now because I think all of the interesting action in AI is also in machine learning, right? It's, it's when the, the machines are, you're using data to get the machines to program themselves essentially. Um, And so good examples of the, 
of, um, you know, each of these, like in, you know, one of the spaces that I am, you know, both, uh, fascinated and enamored by, but also, you know, underwhelmed by at the same time is like the home assistant kind of thing, uh, or the virtual AI assistant. Um, so, you know, I've got, you know, Google home, I've got, uh, the Amazon, uh, echo. I've got a bunch of each of them actually around here. Um, and they are amazing technology. You can talk to them. They understand what you're saying, right? Uh, for the most part. Um, and they can even, you know, tell you and do some interesting things based on what you're saying. Um, you know, there's still a bunch of work that needs to be done in terms of the, um, you know, how, you know, how they're hooked up into like information retrieval. Like there's, you know, AI systems, like the AI is often a really small part of the overall system. Uh, and that's true in these kinds of things. And so I think the, you know, when I think of like, what are the, you know, what's AI that's like as close to, you know, pure general AI, it's like this, these virtual assistants, uh, and then machine learning, you know, is involved in that, but there are also, you know, some very kind of pedestrian types of examples of machine learning. Like if you, uh, use Redfin or Zillow to look for houses and, you know, both of those systems will offer you estimates of what the value of a house is. That's all, you know, based on machine learning. They're just taking in tons of data. You know, they've got some data that tells them they've got, you know, as the, as homes are sold, right. The, they've got uh, a market established value. So, you know, what's called ground truth. Um, and they can just, uh, you know, run those in a machine learning algorithm or a set of machine learning algorithms and, um, apply that to houses that aren't sold yet that are on the market and use that to, uh, that algorithm to predict the value of those houses. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about that technology. And again, you know, assume maybe people are, are just sort of brand new to this. What are some of those core technologies that are behind AI and ML? Um, what are some of the things that if somebody says, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm curious about this. I want to learn more about it. Like, what are some of those core technologies to kind of pay attention to and, and maybe that are accessible to people to kind of either either learn or play around with? Um, yeah, there's a ton of interesting stuff out there. So I guess I'll start by <clears throat> mentioning a term deep learning, um, and talk about how that fits in. So deep learning, um, and actually to, to, to really talk about that, you have to take a step back and, and introduce this concept of a neural net. So a neural net is, uh, basically an approach to machine learning that is based around this, biologically inspired model of a neuron. And, you know, and this is uh, an idea that goes back many, many years. Um, But you basically can create this network of, you know, these simple neurons uh, or at least mathematical neurons. uh, And again, kind of this common theme, throw a ton of data at them. And, you know, the neuron will essentially, or these networks will essentially figure out how to, you know, map the input data to the desired data during the training phase. And then you can send unknown data to them uh, and then they'll make a prediction, right? So that's a neural net in a nutshell. Uh, Deep learning is 
a set of technologies and approaches that have become extremely uh, hot over the past uh, few years. And it's essentially taking these neural networks, which, um, you know, are typically like architected in layers and just making more, you know, making them deeper, making them have more layers. And by making them have more layers, they can make more sophisticated decisions about the data that you give them. Uh, And so these deep, you know, this idea of deep learning and these deep neural networks are behind a ton of the. Uh, the cool stuff that is happening in AI today. So, you know, all over and, you know, consumer apps like Facebook and uh, in commercial apps, there are image recognition systems. So uh, you can give a, you know, you know, think of it as giving a, an API an image and it'll return to you, you know, what's in the image with, you know, varying probabilities uh, it can, you know, answer questions about the image. Um, there's a kind of visual question answering um, is, is one way that deep learning is used. Um, you can, you know, give it a, an image of a face and it could try to predict the emotion that's being expressed. Uh, there's, you know, tons of things that are happening around our ability to understand what is uh, presented in visual images and, and in fact, both static and, and video. Uh, and that's all powered by this idea of deep learning. It's one of the, you know, it's one of the things that's really driving the popularity of uh, machine learning and AI right now. And so, Sam, it's it's really fascinating to me and I'll give you a couple Super practical examples. Um, so I've I've recently, last couple months, um, flipped from Apple iOS over to Android, and it was just mainly because I was using Google services. It was nothing against Apple, um, but it was really good for you. <laughs> it's really fascinating because so my my wife, because you know, in order to do like the equivalent of like FaceTime and iMessage and all these other things, you have to kind of flip over to the Google world, which is cross platform. And right. so we were we were chatting on Allo the other day, but Allo does a certain amount of like as you're chatting, it learns and it it has these responses at the bottom. And it was the funniest thing. We were chatting back and forth and I had no idea. And my wife was like, all I was doing was clicking the button at the bottom because it was correct of like what the next reply was. She was like, that was the freakiest conversation I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like, it's like Google is knows what I'm thinking kind of thing, which is, you know, and she, and she was, she was like, that was really awesome and really scary all at the same time. And then another oh, yeah. one is Google photos. You can just go into Google photos and I don't know, you know, give me a, a search of rock climbing pictures, right. And it'll pop up all the rock climbing pictures. And, and so it's, it's it's really fascinating to see where not not just Google specifically, although I think they're doing a, a really good job in leading the way right now. But that's where all of these consumer level services seem to be going. But I wanted to tie that into to what you said about data. Um, so we've got, you know, data and these data models and, and, and you know, we've talked on this show and, and going back to our, you know, our cloud days. Right. The, the, that whole concept of data gravity. Right. And how it relate? How does that really relate in your mind to AI and ML? Do you do you bring the data to the engine? Do you take the engine to the data? How do companies deal with that? Or is this something that is so early on there isn't even necessarily standards or or, or standard ways of doing this yet? Yeah, I think I think it plays pretty heavily into 
um, into what we see happening in the industry. Um, so, you know, if you look and see who are the players that are investing heavily in machine learning and AI, and more than just investing, like really have strong offerings, the cloud vendors, in fact, all have very, very robust portfolios of AI and machine learning um, solutions, right? And I tend to think of them in uh, three different buckets. They've got AI optimized infrastructure, you know, typically, uh, you know, GPU uh, based infrastructure or um, uh, uh, instances that you can spin up. <clears throat> They've got uh, data science based environments. Uh, so Azure ML and Google's uh, ML engine, these kinds of things. Uh, and they've got a set of APIs. Uh, and these are typically built around the cognitive types of, uh, of functions. So, you know, I described one, right? Give the API an image, it'll tell you what's in the image and, and spit back to you an array of, you know, things that are likely in the image. Uh, there's sentiment analysis, uh, there's, you know, the emotional thing that I mentioned, you know, what's the emotional content of an image, uh, there's translation, you know, these are all, you know, at the, the high level API, at the API level. Um, and, you know, when you think about why the, you know, this kind of the interplay between AI, ML and cloud and why the cloud vendors are investing so heavily, uh, into the space, I think, you know, there are a few reasons, but I think one of them, you know, really centers around this idea of, of data gravity, right? So to effectively train these models, it requires, you know, lots and lots of data. You know, one of the numbers that you hear thrown out is, you know, in order to really have to do something on the kind of deep learning side of things, you need at least 100,000 data points. Um and, you know, often those, you know, those might be images, uh, those might be audio samples, um, you know, that's a lot of data and it's not something that you're going to want to be moving around a lot. And the cloud vendors are very familiar with this concept of data gravity. And that's why I think one of the reasons why they're fighting so hard to, you know, win this business. Well, and you bring up a great point there of I almost I'm always trying to equate it back to things we've already known and already seen. Is there a market, in your opinion, and again, this is early days, but I almost equate it to public cloud versus, you know, on-prem, you know, infrastructures as a service, things like, say, OpenStack, for instance, right, you know, an on-prem commodity component. Is there going to be of, because you need those big data pools, a lot of the AI and ML will happen in public clouds, or is there a consumerization if you will, of companies are going to invest in AI or ML, you know, locally or, you know, on their prem. Yeah. So it, um, <laughs> uh, like you said, you see the same things over and over and over again in this industry. Uh, and we're certainly, you know, seeing that happen in, um, you know, it, in regards to AI and ML, right? So um, just like folks did a, you know, a, uh, kind of ROI analysis on the public cloud and you had some, you know, big use cases of folks pulling out of the public cloud because it was more expensive. You can do the same thing uh, 
with regards to your AI workloads, right? So if you're spinning up uh, a bunch of GPU instances on AWS, you're going to run up a, a pretty penny, uh, not you know, not a lot of time. And you can, if that's something that you anticipate doing, you know, frequently for a long period of time, um, you can do a, an analysis that tells you whether you should go out and, you know, buy your own GPUs and build your own servers and kind of rack them and stack them. And, um, you know, in the same, you know, kind of argument, pro and con arguments come up, you know, with regard to public versus private cloud, right? Like what, you know, there's agility, there's, you know, the ability to keep up with the, you know, the latest and greatest, you know, OpEx versus CapEx, all of that stuff, you know, plays out here as well. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, You know, one of the, one of the things that comes up whenever we talk about AI or, or machine learning is, you know, there's a lot of, especially the technologist, you know, there's a lot of very positive things that can come out of this. Um, You know, the ability to, to gather data around say healthcare, you know, do make better diagnosis, do them faster, uh, allow patients to get through doctor's office more quickly or, um, you know, find uh, better fuel sources or energy. So, you know, like all sorts of good things for either individuals or, or humanity. And then there's, there's the kind of flip side of it, which is, you know, you, you see things like uh, kind of the, the famous example from, from a year or so ago where Microsoft put a bot out on the on, on Twitter and, it, you know, it got a, a whole bunch of propaganda. And all of a sudden people were like, oh, it got trained immediately to to learn how to spew Nazi propaganda. And, and so you get this weird um, kind of press coverage between is AI a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, and, it, you know, and it tends to skew just based on whatever the headline is, what, you know, you've, you've been sort of living in this world for a little while. Like what's the sense you get? Um, maybe not so much from a morality perspective, but just how it's covered. Is it, is it fairly covered in terms of the benefits to people in society versus, you know, where it gets, you know, maligned because, you know, some, some bad incident happens. I mean, what's, what's your general sense at this point of, of how well people kind of figure out how it fits in their day-to-day life or, or society and so forth? Uh, yeah, I think I think the the mainstream media coverage of it, you know, while there's been some, you know, some good, uh, some really strong articles, um, you know, there's also like tons of clickbait. Right. Sure. And, you know, there a lot of it is, you know, coverage of Elon Musk, for example. Right. Who is like one of the, you know, the folks that is kind of famously in this debate. Uh, as someone who is, you know, both, you know, super smart and incredibly afraid of Skynet. Right. <laughs> right. And so anytime he tweets about this topic, it sets off a flurry of, you know, almost hysteria. Um, so interestingly enough, I was in an event earlier this week and uh, I was pressed by somebody like, who are you in this debate? Are you Zuckerberg who thinks like, you know, Pollyanna, this is great technology. It's, you know, it's, there's, there's no risks associated with it. Or are you Zuckerberg or are you, sorry, uh, Elon, who is like deftly afraid of this and this individual, um, you know, fellow entrepreneur would not let me take the middle ground, which is where I tend to, you know, I tend to fall on this. Um, and one of the things that really occurred to me in, you know, thinking about this, is that, you know, I think if you think about Elon Musk and like who he is, uh, he takes an incredibly long view 
of the world, probably more so than most of us, right? Like you don't start a company to, you know, bring humans into space if you're not thinking about the long view, right? Right. right. Uh, and the transformation that he's trying to do with transfer with, you know, he's not just building cars, right? He's trying to transform transportation. Um, and, you know, that really made me think like, you know, if you're really thinking about this question, you know, from the perspective of, you know, 100 years from now or 200 years from now or more, uh, I think and you and you have a sense for, you know, both the power of the technology and yes, the, it's immature now, but also um, it's another book I read. I forget the 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 title of it. Um Actually, I think it was a book called Exponential Enterprise that I was listening to, and they talk about how often people miss the transformative effects of technologies because they think technology evolves linearly when, in fact, it tends to evolve exponentially. And if you think about AI from that perspective, right, we're in this shallow kind of linear looking part of the curve but you know what happens when we turn that corner and the technology is advancing exponentially you know it it actually is rather threatening um or at least you know you can you can see where he's coming from sure um so i don't think you know as you know like mainstream media like typically is not sophisticated enough to or at least the buzz feeds of the world, right? That, uh, you know, they're not sophisticated enough to really present that, you know, argument. Um, you know, I tend to think that, you know, AI, you know, will very likely have, you know, huge structural effects on our society, you know, in terms of jobs, in terms of privacy, in terms of lots of things over the next, you know, 25 years. Uh, and, you know, long term, it's something that we, you know, we definitely need to be paying attention to and thinking about how we're going to, you know, how we're going to regulate it. Like, you know, think about, uh, you know, weaponized autonomous drones or even semi-autonomous drones. Like, I think the last thing that we need is to, you know, give people, the, you know, more of an ability to you know, to, to kill people and less of a connection to the actual act of it happening. Right. Yeah. Like it's just a recipe for disaster. And so, you know, someone like Elon Musk, who's out there calling for that to be, you know, regulated. Yeah. I think he's got a point. Uh, but I don't think that, you know, for the most part industry or media, you know, does a great job of kind of talking about this. It's, it's either, you know, one pole or the other when, when I, when I think in fact, it's a really nuanced conversation that needs to happen. Yeah. And, and so an example, it's a really subtle example, but an example I keep going back to is I don't even remember who did it, but there was, you know, it was Facebook, it was Google, it was one of them, you know, and they were doing, uh, um, uh, had some bots that were effectively talking to each other and learning how to talk and pass information back and forth. And they trained them in natural language. And then one of the first things they actually did is they figured out a more effective way to transfer information back and forth and they stopped using English. It was like, you know, you'd look at the sentences they were communicating and it was like the, 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 a, a, is, is, and it meant something to them. And they just completely ditched the English language and everyone kind of shut the product down at that point because no one could understand what the heck they were doing. Um, <laughs> and I yeah, just thought so that, that, I mean, I thought that, that was so gr- fascinating. It's fascinating and it's a great example of how, 
you know, the media does that story injustice, right? It's like right, that was, right. you know, these, you know, this, these chatbots had, you know, become sentient and were, you know, conspiring against Facebook and Facebook <laughs> shut it down. When in fact it was like an experiment, they ran the experiment. It did. So it had some interesting effects, um, you know, nothing near sentience, uh, but it was, you know, an experiment that, you know, just had a natural end time. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, well, know, trying I- to, and I think you—I mean, I think you highlight a, a really important thing, which is like, you know, m- mankind has this incredible sort of survival technique. Like we, we figure out ways to to survive and, and and continue and so forth. But but we also have this sort of incredible near-term thing to say, well, it's it's not really our fault that certain things are happening, right? Like no individual could, you know. I mean, we, we sort of see this with with the sort of global warming discussion, which is, well, individually, none of us could, could cause this problem. We couldn't create this. And and we sort of go, okay, well I can, it it can get ignored and so forth. But uh, it it is this, like you said, it's this great, do you look at it from the near term versus do you look at it from the short term and, and what's the the framing that you put that context in? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're kind of at our time here. So Sam, let's go ahead and and close this out. Um, Beyond listening to your show each week, what are some some good resources for listeners if they are interested in this topic, whether it's AI or machine learning or both, what are, is kind of your standard answer? Cause I'm sure you get this a lot of how can folks go out and learn more? Uh, yeah, well I'll start by giving folks a pointer to my show. If they're not pulling it up via searching on some podcast app and we're, you know, everywhere, including Google home and Alexa, um, they can go to twimlai.com, which stands for This Week in Machine Learning and AI, T-W-I-M-L-A-I.com, uh, and get links to all of the or many of the major podcast listeners. Um, <clears throat> beyond my podcast, you know, one of the places where you know, I talk to so many people, you know, that are in this space, uh, you know, data scientists, you know, folks that are building this stuff, you know, startups, big companies, and a ton of folks got their start uh, through Andrew Ng's machine learning class at Stanford, uh, the online, you know, that his MOOC. Um, I did it back in uh, 2012. Um, I think I did it like the second time it was offered and um, it continues to be available. Um, and that's just one of a number of incredible uh, resources out there, uh, in terms of classwork. So, um, <clears throat> Andrew now has a company called deep learning.ai that, um, is doing a deep learning version of a class, um, that is available. Um, I think it's Coursera. Uh, there's fast.ai, which is a kind of a deep learning class focused on developers with, you know, so Andrew's thing is a little bit more kind of math and theory heavy. And this fast that AI is more, um, you know, APIs and development heavy. Um, and then, you know, for any of the topics, like we cover a ton of different topics on the podcast, you know, from everything from natural language to, uh, to deep learning, um, to, um, uh, you know, topics like, um, Gosh, the the thing that I was thinking of um, 
is escaping me, but, you know, evolutionary algorithms is, you know, an example of just kind of a, you know, one of these topics. And, you know, there you can find online coursework from, uh, you know, major universities, you know, available to, you know, download often watch lecture videos on, um, on YouTube. So there's a ton of like educational material out there. Um, and one of the things that's great about, um, the cloud and folks that listen to this podcast will certainly appreciate this is that the barrier to entry is really low. So, you know, you can go sign up to, you know, your favorite cloud service and play around with one of their uh, image, uh, you know, object detection APIs really easily. You just, you know, send it some images and it'll tell you what's uh, what's in them and you can start to think about how you'd build those in the applications. Um, so the, you know, one of the things that's great about the cloud vendors getting involved here is that they really have lowered the barrier, uh, to, you know, playing around with this stuff. No, that that's very cool. It, it's uh, and it's nice because it, it gives folks a really nice broad range of if you want to spend you know thirty or forty five minutes with you every week you can you can uh, you can listen to the podcast. If you want to sit down for you know some hours at night, you can do it as a like you said a, a moog or um, you know so lots of good input there. And we'll get all that stuff into the show notes for folks that are listening and uh, don't remember that uh, you know as they're running or, or exercising or whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for for being on today. We know you're you're super busy. And uh, I know we covered a lot of topics. The, the intention of the show was really just we want to introduce it. We want to give folks a great resource in, in what you do every week and, uh, and uh, you know, and allow people to kind of figure out, like, OK, where does this make sense? Where can they go explore and be curious and stuff? So uh, any last uh, ask sort of last notes? Where can folks find you, um, you know, beyond the podcast? Where can they find you on Twitter or maybe in an event or something like that? Uh, yeah, well, a couple of last things. One is, um, you know, I want to, again, thank you guys, uh, Brian and Aaron. In particular, Aaron gave me a lot of really good advice before I started the podcast when I was, you know, one of these guys curious about doing a podcast. So I definitely owe a lot to Aaron and a uh, huge shout out there. Uh, in terms of finding me, Twitter is always a great place, um, at Sam Charrington. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Uh, you could also follow the podcast on Twitter at Twimmel AI um, and um, otherwise, you know, easily accessible via the website I gave out earlier, LinkedIn and a bunch of other places. Very cool. Fantastic. Well, Aaron, you want to take wrap it up? Take us home. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sam, thank you so much for your time this weekend. On behalf of Brian and myself, thanks for listening this week and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.